Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's Tour Catcher. Olga Roon captures his maiden Masters title. Sabalenka stuns Sviontek in Texas. And the Billie Jean King Cup finals get underway in Glasgow. Kim, Chris, today is the 7th of November and we are here to catch up on the week in tennis at Tennis Weekly HQ. We have had our final Masters event of the season on the ATP Tour. A fantastic Holgerun, a fantastic final even against Novak Djokovic coming away with his first ever Masters title. We've also had a stunning upset with Arena Sabalenka defeating Iga Swiatek in the semi-finals in Fort Worth to set up a final, a Monday final with Caroline Garcia. We've got all the finals to come. Billie Jean King Cup finals are underway tomorrow in Glasgow. We've got the next-gen finals as well and the ATP end-of-season finals and also the Davis Cup finals. Finals, finals, finals. But Kim, most importantly for you, the renaissance. The renaissance is back. I can't believe I'm saying it, but the renaissance is back. <laughs> One win away from the full-on renaissance. Um, oh, the, oh no! <laughs> um, I'm annoyed. The final is well. A, the, why is the final on a on a Monday? That's and wild. B, it's mm. it's in the middle of our night, which is slightly annoying. Um, but yeah, I'm not really sure what they thought Texas tennis fans were wanting to do on on a Monday in November. But mm. apparently, it's, it's going to day the before final Billie Jean of- King Cup finals. I mean, all those fans <laughs> and players are going to have to just rush off from one continent to the other. It's almost like they're trying to make it as hard as possible, right? For them to get there. Let's let's just make it really difficult. But you guys are there, which is the most important (laughs) thing. You two are in Glasgow. That is very true. We are. We're here. We're in Glasgow. We're in separate rooms recording because we can't figure out how to do it in the same room. Chris has chosen like the bougiest Airbnb that... I left him to his own devices. I was sort of worried what he was going to pick. But unbelievably, it's, it's turned out quite nice. It always turns know, out I'm nicely. Very jealous. Yes, Kim, it next looks, time. It looks lovely. Almost too nice for almost too nice for me, I think. Mm, that's a problem. Or maybe uh, have you found if Kim was here it'd be nice enough. Yeah. Yet, Joel? <laughs> I have not yet, but maybe after recording we might venture out into the into Glasgow city centre to see the to see the delights of uh, yeah of what um, Glasgow uh, nightlife uh, can behold before all the all the tennis kind of gets going um, tomorrow but yes me and Chris are here we're very excited tennis tomorrow we're gonna be in the thick of it media accreditation in the media room gonna be asking some questions as well we've been we've actually been deliberating today haven't we Chris about mm. who do we want to speak to what are we going to say because there is there's just so much to talk about isn't there oh there's so much to talk about and I think um we might be and I'm going to try and find this out by speaking to the the different people who are there from media if we're the only people who attended last year's Billie Jean King Cup Ooh, I yeah. feel like that might massive give us street a, cred there Exactly, Massive street a special cred. statement. Every question I ask will start with... <laughs> we were in Prague. <laughs> last year in Prague, exactly. Just to really make it clear that we are not only um, media accredited, but we are Billie Jean Cup accredited. And that makes the difference. There's only been two Billie Jean King Cups, haven't two there? From I think, two from two. Of the new, the new name. We're, so. we're part of the legacy of the Billie Jean King Cup finals, um, which is still, I mean, part it's still furniture. a massive tongue twister. <laughs> And I still, I just, I hate saying it every time because it just takes, just feels like such a mouthful. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's great. It's great to be here. I mean, do you know what was quite funny was I I landed earlier today and there was like an official, there was, you know, there was a guy with a sign uh, at at arrivals that said, you know, official transport for Billie Jean King Cup. But I didn't feel like fancy enough. So I just ended up getting the bus into the, 
<laughs> but also, Joel, it did say Iga Sviontek on that sign or Barbora Kujikova. <laughs> oh, well, that, a was, bit hopeful that was there, their lift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could be the new coach, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I'm glad that you're in Glasgow. It's, that's it, this, is, this whole week is hopefully going to be a highlight for you both. But tell me, we've had a whole week to you know discuss, which, which is why we're here today. Do either of you have any particular highlights from the last week uh, in the world of tennis? Any any fun bits that you uh, particularly liked the the look or the sound of? My highlight personally was nothing to do with the events I, I rattled off a few minutes ago, but it was actually in Shrewsbury, um, an ITF uh, women's event. Katie Balter was playing and Katie Balter's partner, Alex de Menor, who I think lost the night before in Paris, decided to take a quick trip, I'm assuming the Eurostar, um, over the channel. Um, and yeah, went to went to Shrewsbury to watch Katie Balter play. I feel like he was he was very kind of undercover. I mean, there weren't many fans there, but it was I was great to see that little little dedication there, just to kind of, you know, put that loss to one side, hop over and uh, yeah, go and go and support your uh, your partner on tour. Are you saying he threw the match to support her? Because it sounds like <laughs> when did he work out? Yeah, he out wanted his to be in Shrewsbury. Yeah. I'd much rather be in Shrewsbury than than Paris. Come on. What if there was a rail strike, Alex? Well, exactly. <laughs> they all got called off, didn't they? The rail strikes. But do you think he would get recognised in like Shrewsbury Ooh. town centre? No. Or I, don't I would say I feel probably like... not. <laughs> I'm just wondering what train he got after he got to like St Pancras. Maybe. Uh... Well, I'm not sure. This well, is he in Glasgow? Podcast. He could be in Glasgow. We'll see as we continue to track the movements you of ask Alex him. Well, Maybe, yeah. Well, maybe we need to ask that to Katie Balter. What what train? What train did Alex de Menor get to to go see you in Shrewsbury? Keep a focus on Asking. women's That's tennis. That's what we like to, to see. Asking exactly. the difficult questions. Yeah, we're here. Well, to should ask I the should I tell questions. you um, what my highlight was? Please. I love a challenger and I love ranking points. I spend most of my time <laughs> on the live ATP race um, website and I found this fascinating because I was ready to celebrate Holger Rune's um, top 10 finish of the year. And then I found out that it actually might not be the case because after Paris, he only holds a six point advantage over her catch, but he has 35 points from the Poe Challenger, where he had a semi-final in 2021. So unless he makes it into the field of ATP finals, it's not going to be the top 10 finish that I was celebrating. But I just love the fact when you get um, Bianca Andreescu at the same thing, when she won the US Open and she stood her challenger points on her um, record. And the same thing happened to Alcaraz this year. And you just think when people rise up so quickly, it puts into perspective just how much they've done. But um, for six points. I think he needs to play another challenger event if he doesn't make it into the field uh, for the ATP finals. That's my suggestion if you're listening, Holger. See you at the Ilkley Challenger on the grass court season next, next six year. Six points. I reckon he can get it there. <laughs> oh, I thought, yeah, I thought he was in for, a, I thought that was going to be a bit more home and dry than that. So that's, that's some good number crunching there, Chris. I, I like that. With my calculator um, that at is, present, that is cra- that is crazy though because I was I was looking at you know, next gen finals last season. Carlos Alcaraz was the champion, and to think, yeah, skyrocketing, going straight up the rankings to world number one within twelve months. That's just, I mean, it's just it's just unbelievable. And uh, yeah, Holgerun, yeah, challenger to yeah maiden masters title and seemingly beating any anyone in the top ten in in his way. We love um, a story like that, don't we? What was your highlight, Kim? Well, I don't know if it's a highlight, more of a, a <laughs> kick in the teeth, perhaps. <laughs> That's um, not a highlight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how we were having a go at Maria Sakkari last week, uh, saying she was just at the world to- at the WTA finals for making she up the numbers. She took it personally. She took it personally because she, you know, obviously went through and got to the Blumen semi-finals. Um, which, you know, she won all of her group matches, qualified in top place, uh, in the top place of her group. And uh, yeah, I just, yeah, obviously she lost to Garcia, you know, Renaissance and everything. Exactly. But um, I was, yeah, very, very impressed. She obviously thought, you know, I've had enough of them slagging me off on the, the Tennis yeah. Weekly podcast. You were Here pretty I punchy, am. you two. I think you said, what was it? Make up the numbers and then predictions for next yeah. year. Sakura should yeah. probably make up the numbers next year as well. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, she but, did have a very good. Bad. She did have a very yeah. good run to the final in in Guadalajara, which you know, it seemed you know, gave her a bit of confidence, a bit of momentum. Um, well, but yeah, we're, I was we're not always, expecting yeah. her to. Not only did she come through her, you know, her round robin, you know, three and zero, but I don't think she dropped a set uh, either. Like it was all very, very, very comfortable, which to me made it all the more surprising, actually, that she went and lost the semi final because I thought she was playing better tennis um, than. Caroline Garcia, who, yeah, for me, wasn't necessarily as routine uh, going through her group as, as Zachary. So, yeah, it was, again, a little bit a little bit surprised. I feel like there's still some sort of critique or commentary on Zachary at, at the, the business end of, of tournaments. And that's still being a, a, a criticism, maybe, of her that she doesn't necessarily get it done as, as often that I think mm. a lot of her, her fans would like to. But, yeah, it was very certainly still very impressive, her coming through the group without dropping a set, um, going undefeated. Yeah, and let's 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 look at the the final that we do have because, like we were saying, it takes place on a Monday, bizarrely. Uh, but we do have a final between Caroline Garcia and Arena Sabalenka. Um, now they have a two all head to head. Garcia won their match that they played earlier this year in Cincy, so it's quite close, quite close to call because yeah, they they've both come through. Um, obviously Sabalenka beating Igor Svantec in the semi-final, um, six-one in in that third set, which was, I guess, quite a surprise. Uh, I, I kind of thought Svantec would just have that in in the bag, really, um, especially considering she's won her last fifteen matches against top ten players. Um, but yeah, Sabalenka's forehand was very much on it, and um, amazing last set. Um, and she now has become only the third female player to beat the first, second, and third seeds at a tournament since the year 2000 uh, because she has beaten Iga Svante, Onjibor and Jesse Pagula in the last week. Um, but yeah, we've got this matchup between Garcia and Sabalenka. Um, Garcia, one win away from another you know, massive title for the season. She did get a, a thousand title earlier in the season. She's guaranteed a top four, uh, I think, a top four in the world finish, uh, regardless of what happens, which is amazing considering she started the year at 75. I think top four would equal her best uh, previous singles ranking. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm really pleased for her regardless. But, I mean, who's your money on for this this showdown, you know, last match of the, the season that we've got coming up? Well, I'm going to have to say Garcia because I did pick her for the final. Um and I just think if you can get through the tough matches, like she, I think she had that 7-6 tiebreak set against Kasekina in the round robin. If you can get through that and then you start to play well again, it's almost like she's been freed up by that result. And um, something about something about Fort Worth is really doing well with her. She's got her cowboy hat on that she's been wearing. Um, she's, fully, she's fully embraced life over in Texas and maybe she'll relocate there um, if she wins the title. But I've been super impressed with her play and... You know, she except she's going to miss some balls and she's going to hit big. Um, I think it's a tough one to call. We've seen whoever seems to be doing well then loses. Um, so now that after this form, I mean, it's hard to back up your biggest win of the year. Um, so I think the pressure's on Sabalenka, really, once you've taken out Eager. So Garcia, I will go with because the pressure is on Sabalenka and Garcia is just living that Renaissance dream. I think I would agree there. I mean, it's Ooh. amazing to me. We never I remember agree. We were, we were previewing uh, the end of season finals for the WTA and, and we were talking about Caroline Garcia and and her coach, like leaving the setup and it didn't feel like a very good good place to be in, which to me makes it all the more impressive she's managed to get through to the final. I mean, she's serving beautifully. She's volleying beautifully as well. And I think if her serve is on form, then I think that's going to really kind of help her I think against Sabalenka, who I was impressed against Sviantec in terms of it being brought all together. Because although we're talking about Caroline Garcia and this this season being, you know, her almost her route back up, um, back up the rankings. I think even though Sabalenka is in the in the finals, and and yes, she's still a, a top five player. I still would look at her season as more the opposite, more of a bit of a a disappointment. You know, she was. I think we were sort of expecting her to kick on a bit more, maybe even win a, a Grand Slam trophy, you know, at the start of the season when, you know, she was number two in the world, you know, second seed in, in big tournaments. And, you know, she's got to this final. She's not actually won a trophy this season. So for me, it's, she's just one of these players who's just so, unfortunately at the moment, she's just so erratic and inconsistent. But 
on her day when she can bring it together she's so formidable that even yeah and Iga Swiatek can't can't stop her she can she can beat anyone you know on, on a tennis court and I think for me that again I, I think the same you know the same questions were being asked this year and they'll be asked next year is Sabalenka and consistency that is the thing that need, she needs to solve because the, the match against Swiatek particularly that third set Swiatek just ultimately just although had a great season has had you know great wins just didn't have an answer to her her power play from the back of the court it always begs the question doesn't it when you see this I was just gonna say quickly that when you see the different positions where you qualify for the semi-finals playing a role so say for instance eager probably would have beaten Sakari do we think um if it if Sakari had come through second and Sabalenka had come through top and you'd have a Garcia Sabalenka um semi-final potentially so it's one of those ones where your path through, you just have to kind of ride out the storm, don't you? Yeah, and I think it, it really does depend. It's quite ironic, really, that Sabalenka hasn't had the best of seasons. I think often that does happen, doesn't it? Someone will, will peak just at the right time at the end of season finals, um, even though going into it, they may not have been the one to necessarily pick. I mean, I know we had high hopes for, I think, Jesse Pagula and Coco Goff, who lost all their matches. Yeah. Um, singles and I doubles, think, so, I think. Singles and doubles, yeah. for the Americans at home. What was, go- what was going on there? Because that was... That for me was almost the. I know. I know. We say every anything can happen in the in the WTA mm. in the WTA tour, and arguably, you know, this this event has proved it in some regards because I thought this was going to be Igor Swiatek and and everyone else, and it has very much kind of proved the opposite with you know players I thought were maybe making up the numbers like Maria Sakkari, and I was going to put Sabalenka in that category, um, you know, doing really really well, but yeah, adding to that. I was not expecting, yeah, Pagula and um, and Goff to to perform so poorly. I have heard that Pagula has has pulled out of the the Billie Jean King Cup. Um, she was having a, she had a cold, so I think there were kind of physical issues. I don't think she was a hundred percent, so there might be mitigating circumstances, and maybe it, it just all caught up with her. But um, yeah, it was still very kind of surprising to see, given yeah the level she's displayed in the last certainly in the in the last few weeks. Yeah, so we do have a doubles final um, between Krajikova and Sinyakova against uh, Kudometova and Mertens. So that will be before the singles final later on tonight. Um, so just quickly, are you both going for Garcia to win or anyone going for Sabalenka? I wouldn't go for anyone other than Garcia, Kim. What about you? Well, I'd love Garcia to win, obviously, but I'm going to go for Sabalenka just because you I think don't typically want to jinx she it. might. <laughs> yeah, maybe. There we go. (laughs) Ending on a high. No, I'm going to go Garcia. Garcia in three. Ooh, I'd love a three-set final. I think we we don't get enough of them. I was going to say. I think it could be tight. Yeah. Yeah. I think it will be. It will be edgy. No one's going to serve that out. We're going to see some Sabalenka double faults. I think we're going to see a lot of break. Actually. (laughs) I know you're going to Kim. I know you say it was tight. I actually could just be like a six-two-two-six-six-two. I think it could be all over the back and I think forth. it could be a lot looser. I was going to say, um, of the players you mentioned, Kim, in the doubles final, I think three of them are playing the Billie Jean King Cup. So they still haven't played their final and they're going to have to be here on, what day, Tuesday, when we kick off the action? Who is chartering that flight? Oh, the Krajikova. She must be paying for that. She must have the highest prize money. <laughs> Check tennis. She is the Grand Slam champion. Yeah, exactly. All, in the singles, anyway. Well, they're all Grand Slam champions in doubles, aren't they? I mean, how do you think the event actually kind of went? Because the start of the week, I mean, it was... <laughs> what? It was Oof, like five yeah. people in attendance. And, you know, seeing on social media around, you know, tickets on resale sites going for, for $6. And I feel like we had this, like, really sad plea from Igor Svildtek to be like oh please please come please come and watch us we, yeah we deserve we deserve better than this and, and and you know and to be fair towards the end of the tournament I think you know the attendances did rise or at least it looked you know a lot better on on TV but certainly at the start of the tournament we were thinking man it shows that I feel that you know the WTA didn't really publicly advertise this and, and the players enough to make it feel like an event worth coming to based on yeah just the lack of people the lack of people who were there which feels very much in contrast to what we've seen this week in in you know in in Paris at the the last Masters tournament of the year on the on the ATP side well Paris had a well almost a sellout 99% of uh, tickets sold I think it was the the 
beating the previous uh, record that they set at the uh, at Bercy. So decent, decent turnout in Paris, and and what a great, great tournament, really. What a fantastic final, especially the end, very dramatic, um, with Holger Rune winning his first Masters title, beating Novak Djokovic in the final, um, but doing it in such a stylish way across the whole week. He beat five top 10 opponents um, in the space of the week, which no one has ever done before in, at a Masters 1000 level. Um, a crazy. I mean, he beat Djokovic, Felix Auger-Aliassime, uh, Carlos Alcaraz. Felix Auger-Aliassime on a, like a ridiculous win streak as well. Exactly. And it was straight sets. And I was thinking, okay, maybe Felix is you know, finally a bit tired, He's, you know, but I think it was just Rune really on, on this sort of run of form. Um, who else did he beat? Rublev and also Hubert Herkash. So, and Stan Wawrinka in the, uh, in the first round. So, you know. Stan Wawrinka didn't, didn't have particularly nice words to say to him at the net, I don't think. Oh, that was a quite a close match though. I there think were match points saved. Yeah. Match points, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, so it could have been very different. But what did you both make of Rune this week? I know, Chris, you you called this. Uh, I, I want, you called yeah. Rune doing I, this. Yeah, at some exactly. Point, I think um, this is my my time to uh, say that at some point I did say after seeing him in Stockholm that I thought that he would be top five next year. Um, so I just think he was just it's just such a solid solid game. So I think did I think he'd win Paris? No. Um, but the way that he did it, I think no one could have predicted because it was so uncharacteristic to see Djokovic um, against such a young player um, getting the advantage in the final set and then not being able to to get it done or not being able to take those break points when uh, Holger was serving for it at 6-5. It was very um, strange viewing for anyone who's watched or followed Djokovic's career. It's almost unprecedented. Yeah, um, it, I think he, it yeah. was unprecedented. I think it was the first time ever in a Masters final when Djokovic has gone a set up, he's lost the match, which just shows, I think, the quality that Rune, that Rune was playing at, particularly, you know, at the end. And I think that really kind of revealed to me, you know, the level he's playing at, certainly, but also the, like a test of character. Because, you know, I think other players would have just kind of, you know, wilted or, or folded in that situation. And, you know, Djokovic would have broken back and it would have gone to a tie break and you would have, you know, put your money on, on Djokovic yeah. to come through. But the fact that Rune was able to, you know, bat away those six break points and then, you know, serve it out, I think to me really shows, you know, regardless of the journey he's gone through to get to the final, for me was was a real kind of showing of of, of what he's made of. And, given that he's so young, um, it makes it all the more remarkable to me in terms of what he's doing on a tennis court. I love how much he wants it. And I think he's just, his focus is so clear when he um, was getting those, um, uh, when he was saving those break points, it was phenomenal just how much he believed, you know? And I think if you don't believe, you're not able to do that. And I think he really does think that given the form he's, he's, he's on and the sky's the limit for him. So I think that's that's incredible. I'd love to get your opinions on that um, match against Carlos and what went on um, in that one because that was very competitive and he was kind of being outplayed, Carlos, in many ways. And then obviously we had that surprise retirement, which has led to Carlos kind of ending his season. We've, we've had some. We've had a couple of odd retirements, haven't we? At like key stages of matches. Think back to. Uh... To Medvedev retire against Novak Djokovic in Kazakhstan. Now we've had this one uh, in in Paris. It's all very like, yeah, it just felt very very abrupt. I know we've had Alcaraz come out and say he's not going to be at the 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 uh, the end of season finals now because of um, this injury, and he didn't want to aggravate it. But yeah, to me, it was all it was all very strange. I also feel that since the US Open, obviously, we haven't seen the best of him. He has struggled a bit, um, so it might be quite a sensible decision just to have the rest of the the season off. Um, I mean, we'll get on to the, the the field that has been set for for Turin in just a second. But um, Rune, going back to Rune, mm. is this something you can see him keeping up? Or do you think it was one of those flash in the pan weeks? A bit like Borna Koric had earlier in the season. You know, very different story. Very different Kim, kind of how dare you? Borna Koric, flash in the pan. I'm just saying <laughs> Joel's favourite. their week in the sun. <laughs> and uh, what, what do we I think? I could have do said that about Pablo Carreño Buster. Well, Yes, you could have done because he won. Uh, what did what did he win? He won. Uh, was it Montreal? Was it, uh, Rogers Cup. Rogers Cup. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, 
but yeah, what do you both think? I know, I know you're quite a fan, uh, Chris, and obviously you've got the Danish aspect. You know yes. what, how big Rune is becoming back home in Denmark. Yeah, I think um, in terms of the tennis, I don't think this is a flash in the pan at all. I think he, having seen him play in Stockholm, as I've said, I was very, very impressed. It's probably some of the best uh, level I've seen of live tennis in a, in a really long time. Um, and I think the nature of his game, it's a bit different from Carlos in the sense that Carlos's serve is his big weakness. Um, it's not the best first or second serve and he doesn't get the three points off it. And so you do get longer rallies. He does kind of have to work a bit harder for it when um, Holger was getting some serious free points against some of the, one of the best returners in the game. Uh, and that was the thing that I think makes it most impressive is that when you have such great technique on the serve, on the, on the, the backhand especially, um, and a willingness to, to move forward if you need to, I think there's, there's enough of the fundamentals there that even on a bad day, he'll hopefully be able to, to get through some of those matches, a bit like in the Wawrinka match. But in terms of the, the Danish perspective, everyone has now taken him on as their own before they thought he was a, maybe a little bit brattish. Um, and now they just think pride of Denmark, uh, the pride of Denmark. So um, that is the news from um, that is the news from Copenhagen. I can report back. Yeah, and I think just just adding to that, I think you know with Muratoglu in his corner, he's at the. I think he's got kind of got a really good setup in terms of he knows you know what he needs to do now. He needs to build on that 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 consistency and, and prove to everyone that. As you said, this isn't just uh, you know one one week in 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 the year, and I think it was interesting to hear Muratoglu talk about that and talk about the fact that we have to upgrade his average tennis play and to make sure that his normal average play is as excellent as we have seen so far. And um, yeah, I think it's it's fantastic because it's another player I think added into the you know in, into the mix and. You know, even players like Stefano Sissipas, who I thought had a very good week, also pushed Novak Djokovic in a really high quality, excellent, um, you know, semi-final. It's just going to make it even more competitive. And I just start to think more and more about kind of the rivalries that, that could come up. And, and to add Rune into the picture, I think, yes, he does rub some people up the wrong way. And I think there are going to still be question marks over his his maturity. But I don't think you can define him on on just that alone and when you look at the tennis he is able to play on court the character that he's showed I think it really really helps and the fact that he I don't think has any sort of scar tissue that I think like a Sissipas has when he comes up against like a big three opponent arguably helps him because he's not almost kind of facing these kind of inner demons that I feel like some other players do maybe like a you know like a Zverev so I think that certainly helps and um yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But it's fascinating to me how we've got these players coming up on the ATP tour. They're very, very young. And I, I always think, you know, a few years ago, we always spoke about like on the ATP circuit, it takes a little bit longer than say on the on the WTA side where, you know, you can come up at, you know, 17, 18, whatever. But mm. it's amazing to me, you know, we're seeing like 19 year olds play incredible tennis, um, you know, defeating, you know, greats of the game like, like Novak Djokovic. It's for me moving away from that that idea that, um, yeah, you've got to have like a few years on the tour, first of all, to bed yourself in and then try and make a name for yourself like, a, you know, I feel like a Sissipas and a Zverev have, have gone down that route. But yeah, I look at players like Holger Rune and, and think, actually, he's just come onto the scene and announced himself, with, you know, with a, a big a big smash. Are you saying, Joel, therefore, and I would probably agree with you, that current gen just don't have the same talent level as the big three and next mm, gen? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think that's... I don't think you can answer that maybe on, on one week of, of tennis alone, but certainly for me, I think that is going to be an interesting narrative and, and topic to explore over next season, particularly when we see players like Holgerun and Felix Ojaliasim. And yes, of course, we're all going to be clamouring and Carlos Alcaraz as well. And we're all going to be clamoring for them to, you know, play players like Djokovic and, and Nadal. But I'm also equally interested to see, you know, them play players like, yeah, Sissipas and Zverev, because I think that could be a, it could be a, a consistent talking point throughout next season. So elsewhere in Paris, I know we saw FAA streak come to an end, very sadly. Um, but we did see a, Gilles Simon having a bit of a, a run in his final tournament, which I'm sure you were quite pleased about, Joel. He beat Andy Murray, oh, beat I Taylor Fritz. That was like his first ever ju- win, I think, against Andy Murray. He's, he's played him like yeah. over 20 times. And uh, 
Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it was disappointing for Murray because he got into a, a very good position, a winning position and wasn't able to close it. But it was, it really was amazing to see Simon play the level he did, um, especially against Fritz as well. <laughs> One of the reasons why Paris went on till 3am, post 3am um, that day. I always think you're, you're running, you're running that risk when you've got six matches on the slowness of the courts that are in Paris. But uh, yeah, Great from from Simon. Last kind of roll of the dice, um, but I think he said it. I think he kind of said it best. So I think you could see in the t- on the TV, like as well as he was playing. I think he knew deep down it's like, man, my body just can- could not su- sustain this for a whole season. Yes, maybe a couple of matches, but doing this over what fifty weeks of the year, no chance. Yeah, exactly, and that's why he's he's calling it quits uh, <laughs> at the end of the uh, season. Um, another player who we saw, uh, but not for very long, was was Rafa. He lost his opener to Tommy Paul. A uh, bit of a shame. It was six uh, one in that third set. I, I was watching uh, the first bit of it, and then I I did have to go to bed. Um, I'm afraid, but yeah, a close one. It was a tie break in the second set. So I I wish Rafa had got over the finish line and got some more matches under his belt. But yeah, um, very slow court and first match back. Bit of an injury concern. Yeah, I just never know really with Rafa. It's always something, isn't there? He's had a difficult mm. time of late with. It feels a so. strange one to come back for it. If he knew he had an injury, like it was my yeah. sort of thinking. Well, you want I to don't test think... your level, no, don't you think, Joel? I think it was probably yeah. Yeah. to know before you, I mean, going into the end of season championships and playing all top, well, top 10 players, um, mm. having not had any warm up events. I think either way, I don't think it's um, too, too bad for his prospects. There is obviously the injury doubt. He did say, unless something changes, he was going to play. Um, and as Kim said, like if he had got that tie break done, then you know that would be um, uh, a pretty good result. We'd be having a completely different conversation. But it did look like he did fade in that third set. So that's the only thing that I'd say was kind of a cause for concern is that it's it is mm. rare to see him not play a competitive third set. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see about Rafa and see where he's at for Turin. But we do have a confirmed field. Um, so we do have Rafa as the top of that confirmed field now that Alcaraz has pulled out. Got Sitspas, Kasper Ruud, Daniel Medvedev, Felix, OJ Aliasim, Andre Rublev, Novak Djokovic, and Taylor Fritz. Holger Rune is the first alternate. So if Rafa or someone else does drop out, then he would um, get his place, which I think would be uh, really intriguing to see if he can then, you know, keep that form going uh, into into the World Tour finals. So uh, yeah, we'll have to see how how it goes. But that is the current field as is. Um, out of those players, I mean, I've got my eye mostly on FAA, uh, Djokovic and Medvedev, I think, as, as potential winners uh, for I me. I would quite like Holger Rune to be in there. Just more, yeah. more because like, then you you've got kind of, you've got three generations sort of represented, I think, quite quite equally. Um, yeah, we are missing that gen, aren't we? I do agree. But I love the fact, Joel, you're a Holger convert now. Um, before I thought I was he's just here to shake one. it up he's he here is, to shake he? it up I agree it would be good to get I mean it's a shame obviously that Carlos isn't there but I do think having seen Felix play as well as he did this year I think he could be a contender but I, I'm not sure I might go back on him winning it now I think do you um, think we'll see Rune do you think we'll see Rune in some shape or form playing yeah, he, in Turin uh, I, I think we will. I think it, it happens a lot more on the men's side that people seem to be all bandaged up and hobbling off the court. And Berrettini last year was very sad that he had to pull out in his first match and Sin ended up playing, I think, in that tournament. But um, I can tell you that I don't think that Rublev or Rude will get it done. Um, <laughs> but I think Djokovic, <laughs> I think Djokovic. Are they, are they your making up the numbers, aka players we're going to be expect to see in the semifinals? I think it, yeah, I'd say make up the numbers on an indoor court, that's for sure. <laughs> Right, let's take a quick break now. We'll see who does make up the numbers or not in Turin <laughs> in due course. Uh, but we'll be back in the second half of today's show uh, we're talking about the next-gen finals, which are currently uh, getting underway. Uh, the ATP finals Grand Slam rule controversies and also the Billie Jean King Cup finals uh, kicking off in Glasgow, uh, as, as alluded to earlier. So do not go anywhere. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome back to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And uh, before we get on to all of the various finals that are happening uh, over the coming week, um, Joel, you've got a par for the courts mm. for me and Chris, very yes. excitingly. Yes. Um, is it is it themed around one of the various end of season finals? <laughs> Billie Jean no. King no. Cup 2021 oh. themed, I would take that. It's not Billie Jean King Cup. No, it's not. <laughs> um, it is, though, related to what we had last week it is a par for the courts back and forth and last week you know it was very good we had because uh, it was very good because i won it it was uh mm. wta winners singles winners of the end of season finals so naturally i was thinking could i do the same for the men but to be honest, I looked at the list and I thought, between you two, I thought that was going to be a bit too I think easy. we've done that already, haven't we? Have we already done that as well? Well, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Well it's thought out, too Joel, easy. Yes. I feel like you would have aced it. Is Anna Chakvatadze an answer in this David one? Nalbandian. Do we get points? <laughs> no, neither, neither an answer. What I am looking for is, rather than singles, I am looking for doubles players who have won the doubles ATP end of season finals since and including 2010 and I've counted oh, okay. there are 19 players who have won the doubles um, we don't have to know their partners 2010 you don't have to know their partner I'm just looking for one player and it's going to go back and forth between you two okay so if you know a partnership Kim, there we go yeah if you know since a partnership 2010. yes Oh, so you, I can't quote a partnership. I just have to say one player at just a time. Just one player at a time. Okay. Yes. So okay. we yeah. need to be careful because if we say a player, it might help the other one, right? <laughs> I know. Mm. It could do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, since, so, okay. 20, okay. since 2010. Um, okay. Excellent. So Goodness. I'm, I'm going to let Chris go first because I feel like Kim... Kim, you, I think you went first last week. So I'm going to give Chris the honours this week. How many, how many are there, would you say? I think there's there is 19. If my maths is correct, which it could since be, since 2010, it also could okay. Not be. Um, okay. But yeah, since 2010. Um, I will start. Who are you going to kick us off with? I will go for Mike Bryan. Okay. Well, in that case, I better go for Bob Bryan. Uh, I'll go Jack Sock. Mark Lopez. Um, Nicholas Mahu. Very good. Yes, correct. Marcel Granolas. That is a correct answer. Granolas with Lopez. Yes, 2012. I'll leave him to the Spaniards. I'll go for Pierre Hughes-Herbert. Correct. Yes, with Nicola Mahu. 2021, 2019. Um... Fernando Vadasco. Oh, very good, Kim. I I thought that was a tricky one, but yes, Fernando Vadasco on the list. Oh my goodness. Um has has Wesley done it? I'm gonna say Wesley Kohlhoff. Wesley Kohlhoff. Kohlhoff, that's Pedro saying of it. That is the correct oh. answer, oh. yes. <laughs> 
That is on the list. Warm, it's a stressful. Yeah. Um, David Marrero. Oh, I thought that was the hardest one on the list, but that is a correct <laughs> answer. You do know your Spanish doubles, men's doubles uh, partners, don't you? I am on the struggle bus here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go uh, Henry Continent. Correct. Yes, Continent on the I list. Think he's won it a couple of times. That's why I'm. I'm only confident on that now. That's me done. Uh, right. I'm a bit stuck now. Um, oh, um, what's his face? Um, Mate Pavic. Surely, surely they've got one. <laughs> Incorrect, Kim. No, oh, Mate no. Pavic not on the list. Chris wins it. Oh, Chris wins this week. <laughs> You ran out of Damn Spaniards, it. Kim. That's all that happened. Surprisingly, Mate Pavic not on the list. Uh, any, any? Were there any other answers people were thinking of? I was going to go Daniel Nestor next. That's yes, old, you could I have think. said Danny oh, Nestor right. back in 2010 and they, they, 2011 they play, with different partners. They play until their 40s, don't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I literally was, have no oh, one else. Um, I was thinking of. Uh, Bruno Suarez, but I wasn't oh, sure because yeah. I don't think Jamie Murray's won it, so it wouldn't have been with him. John Piers, has he won it? Yes, you could have had John Piers oh, with, yeah, he won with him. Continent. I should have got that um, one. If you had said Suarez, that was an incorrect answer. You couldn't have given me Matej Pavic. Zimunic, yes, one of Danny Nestor's um, partners. Max Mernyi was another oh, yeah. answer you could have given me. Oh, um, yes. Nikola Mektic played with Wesley Kuhlhoff to win in 2020. And the two answers you haven't given me, which is actually a pair that won in 2015, it is Roger and Takao. Oh, yes, of course. There are many others. Yes. Uh, yeah, so I, those, honestly... those were your Those were all your players. Aber, Mahu, Kuhlhoff, Mektic, the Bryan brothers, Jack Sock, Continent, Piers... Royer to Cal, Marrero Vadasco, Granolas Lopez, Mernie Nesta, and Zimjanic. So I remember yes. those two years in a row where it was Spanish domination. Mm. It was great. Well, Continent um, Piers, Chris, you were right. Continent Piers did do the double 2016 2017. Um, so that was some good knowledge. And I, I was sort of backing Kim. I feel like maybe Kim, you should have kept the, the, the more niche Spanish answers. I think no, yeah. I think you should have. If when I said Mahu, you should have gone for the partner, Hugh yeah. Hubert, just to cut me yeah, off. Yeah, but oh, I suppose yeah. We're not tactical at this, are we? Let's be honest. No. <laughs> if we get an answer, we're just happy. It's the pressure. The pressure. Well done all. Well done all. <laughs> right, moving on to the mailbag. We've got a question from Marie Richards on Twitter. Thank you very much, Marie. Uh, Marie's asked us. Um, apart from Andy Murray, who has the presence of the big three or two affected the most? Uh, would Djokovic be this good if it wasn't for Federer and Nadal? Would he have more or less than 21 slams and ditto for Federer and Nadal? Um, great question. Uh, very, very good. Uh, very apt. What do you both think? Who who else has been impacted the most by the big big three? For me, Andy Roddick and David Ferrer probably spilling to mind the most. Uh, okay. and Andy Roddick obviously at Wimbledon David I feel Ferrer. like David Ferrer had David a French Ferrer. Open are you joking? I think he had a French Open in him of if, if Rafa players. hadn't dominated I think there were a few years David Ferrer was on the cusp I think Kim are you shocked um, by this? David Ferrer? Well I, no I see Joel's point but I mean if Rafa hadn't have won the French, he probably, I think David Ferrer would still have lost to Djokovic yeah, the French. I, I just think he's so I feel... tier two Oh, I think that's harsh. I think that's what harsh. about Stan? Stan would have won more. Del Potro would have probably yeah, picked yeah. up some more before yeah. his injury. I think yeah. Roddick is um, so true because that final at Wimbledon, yeah. he would have definitely have had a Wimbledon title. Painful. Grigor Dimitrov, oh Monfils, Songa, those sorts of players. Songa, Burdich, Songa might Burdich. have got one. Yeah, Burdich might have got one, but. Who would you say was the most affected? You're going David Ferrer, are you? Or are you going Andy Roddick? Joel? Maybe not most. Maybe not most okay. affected. I mean, that I'll... was probably one that yeah, just sort of sprung sprung to mind. Most affected at the French Open. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Soddling. Although Ferrer was, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, yeah, great question. And I think the other part of Marie's question, I think that they they've all helped each other, haven't they? Because they've got the mm. the bar has kept you know yeah, being raised, and they've all had to work harder to keep mm. up. And I think it wouldn't be the same if if one of them was extracted out of that triangle. So yeah. um, that does make sense, and it makes you think about next gen, doesn't it, Kim? Will the same happen with Holger, yeah. Massetti, Carlos, Carlos, yeah. Felix? Will we have a big four, you know, and and will they be better for it? Let's hope so, because I want a good, we want some good rivalries, don't we? Um, So let's talk about the news from this last week. Um, And that is the fact that, well, people are a bit annoyed, perhaps, about the ATP finals and the fact that um, Novak Djokovic has managed to get in um, because of his Wimbledon title. Um, because they have the Grand Slam rule. Obviously, if you win a Grand Slam, you're automatically in to the ATP finals. But many people are arguing, well, hang on a minute. There were no ranking points on offer for that win because of the ban on on Russian and Belarusian players. Yet, uh, so Djokovic didn't get his 2,000 points. Yeah, he's still been able to get into Turin. Whereas Cameron Norrie, on the other hand, would have got 720 points for making the Wimbledon semifinals as he did. But he's not been helped in any way by going up uh, into, you know, making the field in, in Turin. And and he could have been there sh- should those points have been added on. So yet Djokovic, by virtue of winning, despite then being no ranking points, is in the final. So um, I totally get Norrie's point with this. It is a bit weird. Um, I hadn't actually thought about it until it, it was kind of raised. Um but what do you think? Do you think Grand Slam champions, regardless of if there are ranking points because of political decisions and what have you, do you think this is gravely unfair on someone like Cameron Norrie? Or do you think it's totally fair that Novak's there because he won a slam? Well, I say from... Or do you think it's because of Djokovic mm, that people are moaning? <laughs> I think it I think it might be. I think this one was... There was a... I think people took what Cam Norrie said and they took it out of context because then they made it about him saying that Djokovic shouldn't be there when he was just pointing out that it's weird that if the ranking points don't apply, that the title rule still does apply. Um, Because if it's either not a ranking tournament, it has no affiliation with the ATP tour, or it is. And I think the blurred lines don't really make sense. And obviously on the WTA, they had no points, and Rabakina was excluded from the WTA finals on on those grounds. So there's at least it's consistent, even if it does feel unjust for Rabakina. But I think with the Norrie piece, I think he was saying more the points that he would have got would have put him higher up himself. So like he wouldn't necessarily have qualified and Djokovic did qualify by right in the end after his result in Paris. So he was in the top eight, but if he had got the 720 points or I think it was 720. Yeah. He, um, he would have probably gone above Holger Rune and been the first alternate to go like he was previously. So it does have big pay- paycheck implications and big ranking points implications. If you do get in as an alternate, so it's essentially saying either it counted and it has some valid uh, valid like uh, credentials in terms of counting towards the, uh, the finals or it doesn't. And so I think that was the point rather that Djokovic shouldn't be there or it's made too much of an impact on him. It's just what it looks like. It's one rule for uh, one player and another for the, the rest of the field, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's... it's uh... Yeah, it's you can see why Nori is is frustrated. I think yeah, there's sort of been like this added hysteria because it it looks like Novak Djokovic has sort of benefited benefited from it. But as you pointed out, Chris, what's amazing to me is the fact that he has qualified for the Tour Finals by right. We were talking about this rule, you know, a few a few weeks ago, and it's been on the tour for for a long time. Um, I think it's been on the tour for the last you know twenty, 20 odd years. But to me, it's amazing Djokovic has been able to qualify regardless, given how you know relative how little tennis he's played compared to some of the other players who are, are making up the field. But um, yeah, that inconsistency between you know what happens if you're a champion versus you know what happens if you make the semi-finals feels completely unjust. And again, I think just just ruins ruins the integrity. I think of taking ranking points off. You know, from from Wimbledon, I think it was very it wasn't thought out. I feel to the you know, the, to the the complete end. And as a result, we're getting these kind of weird quirks that, um, you know, should have, I felt, been thought about maybe, you know, a, a, a while ago. So, I don't know, hopefully was, to me, I hope we just see Wimbledon ranking points back next season because I think it'll just make everything a lot easier. I think, 
this rule is is interesting, but um, and I think I've said before that I quite like you know on the on the WTA side to have you know a Grand Slam player like you know Rybakina as a champion have her moment at the end of the season because you know I feel like she's become a little bit of a, a forgotten player. But um, yeah, I can sort of see both sides of the argument, particularly when you're Cam Norrie and. Yeah, as you said, there are big paycheck you know, implications. Also, are big implications for next season with the the United Cup coming up based on rankings. It really does just throw up lots of different scenarios that I think don't need to be thought about if there is kind of more consistency and, and unity applied. Yeah, I agree. And um, well, well, we'll see. We'll see what what happens, but. Um, I think it does just it's the inconsistency which is the the most I guess the thing that rankles uh, for mm. a lot of people isn't it um, let's look at the next gen finals though because that is uh, occurring um, we've got we've got Jack Draper there very Jack exciting Draper. We, we have representation um, it starts tomorrow in Milan uh, the red group um, this is where we get the ridiculous colours for the groups red and green I mean surely they can be they more can do exciting better than that. than that can't have the, like, the really tennis can. weekly group and the, the passing <laughs> <laughs> exactly now well why don't you raise that as a as a <laughs> as a point um get get some contacts at the billy jean king cup and then uh we'll be in the next gen next year um red group lorenzo massetti jack draper chun sin sheng and dominic stricker and then green group brandon nakashima woo uh yuri lehechka <laughs> frances francesco passaro and matteo arnaldi um, not going to lie, I don't know an awful lot about the last two players there, apart from the fact they must be Italian. Um, for me, I'm looking at Nakashima, and I think the red group's <laughs> the, the, the tougher of the groups. Um, Nakashima, Draper, and, and Massetti for me, I think. Stricker. What about you guys? Who have you got your eyes on? You know what? I think this could be a great tournament for Jack Draper. I think... Um... Mm. I think he could do really well. I also think, though, that the nature of this, the court they play on and the rules that they have means that it is pretty open. I think last year, Carlos coming through, it's really impressive because there were quite a lot of distractions at this one. Like, I think the the court, they've got rid of the doubles lines. It looks a lot smaller. It's almost a bit more of a like a trial event for trying out different things. So um, if you like your routines, you like to play on a court that looks like your regular court, you might be a bit thrown by it. So... Uh, I can see some upsets here because the format is obviously not full sets either. So I've enjoyed that the kind of the promotional materials have, have really gone in on Holger Rune um, as the, mm. as kind of like the the player who's going to be there. That's very very exciting, but he's of course not in it. Um, has gone to be first alternate um, in in Turin. But um, yeah, for me, it's yeah, it could be it could be Jack Draper's moment. It could be Lorenzo Massetti's moment. I mean, there are three Italians in the field, so I feel like maybe the odds are with the the Italians. But should we pick an Italian? That's three out I of think eight. Massetti. Right? I think that's one for each of us. Yeah, let's all pick an Italian. I'm going to go for Passaro. I'll go for an Arnaldi. Okay, you can go for an Arnaldi. You can have Massetti. I'll have Massetti. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, we'll see. But I mean, we do have, as you said, we do have some rules in here, some new rules. We know it's a, a hotbed for innovation, um, the uh, the next-gen finals. We've got quicker shot clock, so down from 25 to 15 seconds following an ace, double fault, or unreturned serve. What, what do we make of that? That is, you know, not one size fits all for every sort of point. There's, they're showing some, they're trialing some flexibility there, aren't they, with the... Uh, with the timing. Thank God Rafa's not there is all I can say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just hope they don't have long points because one sit down per set, and I know they do shorter sets, but yeah, 15 seconds between a serve, one sit down per set. That does seem a bit brutal uh, if it's going to be a long attritional match. Mm. So I guess they're hoping for fast, fast action. <laughs> um, but I guess maybe they're also trying to build the next well the next next gen to just get used to being quick so that when they become fully fledged on the you know the main tour they're they're sort of used to having played at such speed um i don't know but i don't think this this you can't apply this in a grand slam can you so it has its it has its relevance and it, it doesn't at the same time it does make me think it's to do with scheduling issues you know they just haven't got enough court time so they're like quicker shot clock one sit down <laughs> per set they let's get this done paying 
Yeah, the there's a curfew. sports centre by the hour for uh, <laughs> exactly. For court, it's no. nine pound an hour. For I, do, the court. I do think with the shot clock though, like if they're going to trial this for shortened points, i.e., ace double fault unreturned serve, then I feel like there does need to be some leeway for well, if if a rally goes longer than expected, then. You know, for me, I I would you know add in you know add an extra ten seconds to to thirty five seconds. I think I know that in seems counterintuitive to you know this it feeling that tennis should be fast and free flowing and you know people's attention spans are are like very short now. But I certainly feel like if they're going to try and bring in this more adaptive approach to the shot clock, then I feel like it needs to go both ways and not just you know short 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 just because you know we want to get it done as quick as possible. Is it also because umpires don't actually call people on this stuff quite a lot? You know, I feel like um, if you try and bake it into the rules, then there's less emphasis on the umpires to obviously like make the decision there. But if you go to 35 seconds, Joel, I mean, add on uh, another 60 and you're at a change of ends. <laughs> We're getting, um, yeah. I think that would be, I think normally they do make allowances when a point has gone particularly long mm. and people are particularly tired because they aren't trying to hold up the play. So I guess it's about the intention a little bit. But if both players aren't ready, then I've never seen both players get warned. It's only if one player is ready to play, right? And then the other one isn't. Um, I think that's more where it comes from. But I, I mean, we'll, we love the, I love the innovation they've had at these things in the past and seeing new things be tried and... Um, and let's see how it goes. I think um, it it won't necessarily be on the tour next year, but let's see if it can be an exciting TV spectacle this year. Yes. And from one exciting spectacle to another, you've got the Billie Jean King Cup finals, which you're both at this week in Glasgow. Um, Destination Glasgow, as it's been advertised. Uh, tomorrow, it's opening off with Australia against Slovakia and then Kazakhstan, Great Britain in the afternoon session. Um how are you going to work this, guys? Are you, are you going to pop into every session? Are you going to pick and choose? Are you going to just sort of loiter? We're going to split up. We're just going to follow Rebecca Marino wherever yeah, she goes. Yeah. I don't. We don't care about all the other matches going on. Uh, well, Rebecca Marino's not in action until <laughs> Thursday, so have we got, got some free time? There. Great, some free time. <laughs> it's going to be um no, a, it's a good, good one tomorrow. It? Yeah, it will be. We're looking forward to. Uh, seeing hopefully the Wimbledon champion taking on Great Britain. They're obviously without Raducanu who pulled out of the event. Mm. Um, so that would be a bit it's of a It's going to be hard. I feel like it's going to be hard for GB. I mean, mm. like with the resources we have, we in theory, we shouldn't necessarily be here. You know, we lost in the qualifying. Um, and I don't, it's going to be fascinating to me how they handle the pressure and expectation that, yes, they're playing a very high quality field. Yes, there have been, players that have that have dropped out but you know we're not not going to see Igor Sviantek or, or Jesse Pegula here for example but having that high quality field against them in their own backyard the, the pressure is on them to perform I'm not necessarily saying that I'm expecting them to get out of the that you know their group and get to the semi-finals but they need to be I think putting on a good showing and and I think just showing everyone that Women's tennis is not just in the UK that, you know, the, the Emma Raducanu circus about, you know, her coaching. Actually, there's a lot more strength and depth here. And this is, you know, you would say this is a very good opportunity for players like Harriet Dart, who, you know, I think has had a great season this year. But, you know, for me, he's gone a little bit under the radar because of, you know, the attention on, on Raducanu, Katie Balter as well, Heather Watson, um, Barnett and Nichols. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a squad that I think, you know, will look at this as, it's their opportunity. They will look at it as like, it's their time to shine. Do you think they'll have a good chance against Spain? That's sort of Paula Pedosa sort of versus Great Britain. They might be able to pick up a doubles, maybe a double. That could be a doubles and a singles win. Second singles, potentially. What do we think? I mean, any rubber, I will, t- I'm not going to lie. Any rubber I will, I will take at the moment. Um, match by match, I just think it's it's going to be very hard from from the first point. I think for for GB, given the you know the the opponents they're facing. Uh, I'm really looking. Vegas yeah. probably chooses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A win is a win, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's true. And anything is a uh, a win is a win, as you say. I'm looking forward to the um, Switzerland Canada match. That will be good. That will have uh, Andreescu will be there. Uh, Leila Fernandez will be there, Benchich and yeah. Teichman. Yeah. That could be a pretty spicy one. But um, ask us your questions is what we need to make sure that 
uh, we we get we get through to you guys because we are able to ask them um, any questions. So if you have a question for a team, a question for GB, for example, uh, a question for the Wimbledon champion, um, let us know and we can try and ask that for you as part of the. Uh, the media accreditation that we have for the tournament. I know, it's, it's very exciting. I'm I'm going to sleep tonight and think about all the questions I'm going to ask all the players. Um, yeah, we're going to be in the press room for. But in the meantime, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this latest tour catch-up with Tennis Weekly. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come. We are going to be doing daily coverage of the Billie Jean King Cup. Me and Chris We'll be doing some diary entries that will be going out daily whilst we are here. So fingers crossed, first one will be going up tomorrow evening. So make sure you subscribe to us to stay up to date on whatever device you listen to us on. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the DownloadTennis.com app. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. Uh, Follow us for any updates, uh, especially on Twitter during the course of the week. Um, And do let us know any questions for the mailbag, any comments or feedback as well. And you can email us at tennisweeklypod at gmail.com if you prefer. And check out our website, www.tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back tomorrow from Glasgow at Tennis Weekly HQ. Myself and Chris will be primed and ready to talk about day one of the Billie Jean King Cup. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.